Hi, welcome to the Afikra podcast. My name is Mikey Mhennam. Today we have another special episode. This is kind of a special episode, part of our movie night podcast series, because with us today we have Darin Salam, who is a Jordanian film director and writer of Palestinian Roots. She has five award-winning short films to her name, including Still Alive, The Dark Outside, The Parrot, and Farha is her debut narrative feature film as a director. You can watch Farha on Netflix. Um, it won tons of accolades, and I'm very excited to have you, Dedin, on the series. Welcome. Thank you, Mike, and it's, it's a pleasure being with you. Um, for context, for those of you listening, we're recording this on November 9th, Thursday, November 9th, at 11 a.m. Palestine time, just so you know when this was being recorded. Um, Dedin, how are you doing? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult question uh, to ask, but I think um, I think we're getting our strength from our friends and and people in in Gaza. Um, I, I I don't think anybody is okay uh, because our people are not okay in Palestine and Gaza. But again, uh, we are trying to be strong for them and because of them because they are giving us this uh, hope and uh, strength. So um, I think I'm like everyone else, um, have having mixed feelings, many feelings of uh, like sadness, uh, uh, anger, uh, helplessness, and and many things. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm trying to um, to hold up for our people in Palestine, and I um, um, I hope that things uh, get better and and uh, the, the the killing of our people will stop soon or now, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, you said something interesting right before we started. It's like, um, we're not okay, but there is some comfort or some brief weird relief from the fact that the world is starting to realize we're not okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have friends in Gaza who, uh, like, when they see me, See, they they try to make me feel better. When they see me very down, they tell me, Darin, don't worry. And the world is, for the first time, we can see and feel that the world is hearing us and they're seeing us. So this is why I, w- I would like to ask everybody who's talking about Palestine and sharing uh, about what's happening, please keep doing this because they see it and they know it. Don't feel that it's useless, nothing is happening. No, they, they know it and they're stronger because of this. So please keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, where are you, Dedeen, right now? In Amman. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Yana, what's the situation in Amman like? Um, or in Jordan, uh, I mean, there are, you know, millions of uh, Palestinian Jordanians uh, or Palestinians in Jordan. Um, what is the level of tension, despair, what does it feel like being in Amman these days? Um, I think it's everybody is, is feeling the same way. I think you can see in the the energy in the streets. People are in the streets like every day. Uh, um, people people are angry. Even the children now, uh, which is like is good because the the new generations are learning um, about Palestine and the Palestinian cause. Um, everybody is is is, is uh, angry, uh, sad. Uh, like I think, like everybody I know, 
they tell me we, we cry every day. So I think this is how uh, it is in yeah. Jordan. And, and I believe everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is in Beirut these days, for sure. It's like cry in the shower every day type situation. Um, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, um, about Farha. Um, I first heard about this uh, film when there was talks about the Oscars and, um, and oh my God, there's a film about the Nakba and this is crazy and we never get this type of representation. Um, so maybe, maybe let's just take a moment to have you explain where this story came from and what you were hoping to do um, when you created this film. Um, so I, I think Mikey, the story found me. I didn't look for the story. Uh, it's it's something that I heard when I was a child from my mother. She met the Ray character, Radia, uh, who uh, was locked up in a room by her father to protect her from rape because there were many rape incidents by the Haganah soldiers, uh, Haganah militias back then, um, which they admitted, by the way, uh, in, in, in a documentary. Recently, it was uh, it's called Tantura. Uh, so I heard this story uh, from my mother, the, uh, this girl, and this girl stayed with me. And when I became a filmmaker, I found myself writing a treatment. And I said that it's, uh, there is, it's a sign. There is a reason why this girl is still with me and I need to share her story with the world. But also because I um, because I always um, felt helpless um, regarding Palestine and what's happening. And I felt it's somehow a way, like by art, through art, through something that I love, uh, I express myself and I try to contribute and, and help with the Palestinian cause. Um, because uh, Golda Meir said, the old will die and the young will forget. And um, I, like I was, like I didn't forget, and I wanted to make this film to show that we will never forget, uh, but also to uh, create awareness for the new generation and for people that don't know about Nakba, uh, and also um, because they always claimed that it was a land without people for people without a land, and I wanted to show that it was a land with culture and people and lives uh, and heritage and everything. Uh, so basically, like it was mainly I, I as a, as an artist, I wanted to make something uh, humane and uh, artistic, which is like like most of the film happening in a room was very attractive to me as a, as a setup. Uh, but also, this was like I was trying to to forget sometimes and just focus on on like on the film as an artist. But I couldn't uh, separate. I always felt emotional, and I felt it like too close to to to. To this story, which is, I think, is, is good, but I was trying not to act as a, um, not to make a propaganda film, which thank God didn't happen because the film, at the end of the day, is um, is a universal and timeless story that could happen anywhere. Uh, even once the film was screening in Europe, and somebody said, uh, like after making the film, um, and, and after what's uh, what's happening in Ukraine. Don't you feel that it's it's similar? And I was like, of course, it could happen anywhere. But like everybody's talking about Ukraine tonight, let's talk about Palestine. Uh, so yeah, to me, the main focus was to make a humane story, to make an artistic, cinematic film, uh, and the intention, of course, of showing Palestine uh, and the Nakba, 
was of course always uh, embedded in me and, and it was there. So, and I grew up hearing about the Nakba, right? But even today, I'm still discovering the extent of the extro- uh, atrocities, right? Every, every yeah. I feel like every week there is some new layer that hits me like a, a bag of bricks. Like it just stops me in my track tracks. Um, so I'm curious about what you came across um, in researching this film that shocked you. Um, um, many things. It was, it was really difficult. Um, and I felt like, I remember after, like I did a lot of research because, because I felt like I, I need to do my homework, although I know a lot about it because it's very easy to learn about it in an Arab house or uh, a Palestinian house. You grow up listening to many stories from your grandparents, from uh, people who witnessed the Nakba, old people. Uh, but I had to do some research and uh, re- like hear a lot of oral history. Uh, and it was very painful. Like I Maybe. remember every day, at the end of the day, I feel very drained and heavy. Like I feel I need to sleep and just go to bed immediately because it was very tiring to see the, like, you know, uh, yeah. that these people sent and how they missed their homes, their, like the smallest details of their lives back then. It was like they were in, living in, in heaven, in paradise, and everything was stolen from them. Um, just uh, with the intention of making sure that we're bringing everyone along, who's listening to this. Um, Let's just sort of set the scene, right? So somebody who doesn't even know the word Nakba, who's listening to this, right? Right. Um, Let's set the scene, what the Nakba is, uh, what it was, when it took place, who these major characters are, what is the Haganah, all that stuff. So just maybe give us the history and as if you're speaking to, you know, a 15 year old from Colombia, who's like, I don't know any of this stuff. (laughs) Okay, so people like who don't know the Nakba think that there is this Palestinian-Israeli conflict and that Jews and Muslims are fighting, which is wrong because Palestine uh, before 1948 uh, was a country that had Jews, Muslims, and Christians living together in peace. My grandfather had uh, friends, who, uh, Jewish friends and Christians, and they lived peacefully together. Um, and then uh, in 1948, the Nakba means catastrophe. Uh, it started actually in 1917, the Bill for Declaration. But let's not like make it a history lesson. You can check. Sure. <laughs> uh, the, sure. Like whoever is listening, you can check the Bill for Declaration 1917. Uh, but like um, the, the, after the Holocaust, Jews started immigrating to Palestine. So they came as refugees to Palestine. Uh, from uh, Europe and from um, uh, even the Arab world, then uh, Midrahi and Ashkenazi. This is something also to to uh, read about. Yeah. Um, but but they came uh, as refugees and Palestinians. Some Palestinians opened their house for them uh, because they were like poor people. They came as refugees and they didn't have homes. They were traumatized. So uh, this this was the start, but then they uh, they established the Haganah militia, the Haganah militias because they didn't have army, they didn't have a country still, or an occupation uh, state. Uh, the occupation state wasn't established yet, so 
the Haganah uh, militias were the, uh, groups of uh, random people, like from different age age groups. They're like it was really random. Even their clothes what wasn't very like it's not an army. Uh, it's they a just terrorist group. Taught, exactly terrorist group, and they taught them that they're they're not human beings. They should kill anyone. Uh, so they did a lot of massacres. Uh, they destroyed many villages. Uh, I, I'm not sure of the numbers, but I think they did tens of massacres and, and they destroyed maybe 400 uh, um, uh, villages. Do you know who was, who was funding the Haganah in your research? Like, like this, uh, this, yes. this, this, this uh, military truck that shows up, right, in the, in the movie. The military truck who shows up. They have uniforms. I mean, they have... They seem to have uniforms, they have guns, they have a truck, they have... Who's giving them this, um, actually, this stuff? The, actually, many, like the whole world is, was supporting them, but uh, the UK, uh, England left, left it for them. Uh, like they prepared everything for, for, for them to come. Uh, they sent them weapons and everything. So I think, uh, like I had, I have to go back, but the, like it's very political. Uh, you can also... I read more about it because it, it's it's many many information. But the UK left it for them ready with weapons with everything, so they came and found everything ready. They even took houses like uh, from people yeah. who you can watch my film The Parrot. It also shows how yeah. um, they came to like just they. It was like they replaced, they removed the Palestinians and put the Jews in like there. So um, so this is what it's 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 an occupation. It's not a conflict, a religious conflict. It's not at all. Uh, it's an occupation. Uh, it's an uh, apartheid regime. It's uh, uh, it's like just it's, it's it, this state was bent on stealing houses, lands, and killing people and destroying villages. That's how it was it was created. Like that in the summary. <laughs> yeah, I have a question for you. Um, why do you think there aren't more films about the Nakba. I, 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 I don't know, but this was one of the reasons why I really wanted to make Farha, because, uh, because, as you know, I faced many difficulties making the film. Like whenever anybody reads the script, would tell me this will ruin your career because they they want to hide the Nakba. They want to uh, for people to. It's the truth that they hid for so long uh, because it shows that the, what they call the day of independence is our catastrophe. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think maybe because of funding, um, maybe some people wanted to focus on what's happening nowadays. But to me, I, I insisted on making, I don't know what Nakba, because it's the root. It's the source of everything that's happening. And also because it's absent in cinema, there, there are no movies really about Nakba. Yeah. But what sort of challenges did you have? I mean, like, literally, there were, like, people in Nukhalas is not going to be made? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, um, funding was a huge issue. But not only that, also the psychology, they, they, I mean, they tried to make me feel that it's a bad film, that it's a bad story, that, uh, like, they tried all tactics with me, <laughs> I think. Mm. Um Making me see, like, make putting me down, making me feel that um, uh, it's a bad film. Uh, it will never uh, be realized. I'll, I'll never make it. And even if I make it, people like 
will not want to watch a film like that happens in a room. But I knew that it's a challenge and it's something not, like that's not easy. Um, but also after the like the funding was really difficult, as I mentioned. Um, so we didn't get the the, the fund that usually every like Arab film would would get. We we yeah. got um, we got some funds, of course, but um, most of the fund came from individuals and investors who believed in yeah. the film and in me as a director and uh, who wanted to support uh, like a film about Nakba. But many people also and funds were afraid to associate their names with the film and with the Nakba. Yeah. Do you, but also when you... the film might be certain, ahead. but even the, when the film was done, um, it was very difficult for for us to make the film see the light because even festivals were afraid to take it for the world premiere. So um, they wouldn't even open the link because we get a notification and they didn't even open the link. That's how afraid they were. And to me, I, I, I was concerned that they would kill the film because it was even born. But, but eventually it saw the light and it's traveling the world now, alhamdulillah. I mean, do you get, do you have any idea about the, the analytics from Netflix? Like who's watching it? Are you privy to any of that information? Demographics? No, but it's it's most popular uh, for a while now. And in the US it was for, for a whole week uh, from the top uh, 10 maybe watched films. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know that it's it's uh, now trendy on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get the details. Maybe I should. I'm curious. I'm curious <laughs> because, like, I don't. I mean, even the term, like, I like using I like using the term Nekba, but I always think about, like, I think about the, the, why we use certain words, right? And like. Wh- and mm-hmm. what what it says about us and like the, the choice to use these words, right? So the choice to yeah. say, okay, you know, I'm going to call it the Nakba instead of the catastrophe or instead of, instead of saying the ethnic cleansing of 1948 or instead of saying whatever and saying, okay, no, I'm actually going to use this while speaking English, I'm going to use the term Nakba. I wonder how many mm. people that actually informs and how many people it includes and how many people it excludes. So like actually, that 15 year old in Colombia, like do they actually know what I'm talking about? Do they understand that it's an ethnic cleansing? Do they understand that this was 150,000 people being left from 750,000 people and there was thousands killed and, you know, I wonder. Uh, actually, I, um, so I think it's it's both. It's the Nakba. And the catastrophe and uh, the ethnic cleansing and the ethnic cleansing is still continuous and the Nakba also but the Nakba is the the, ta- the date I mean uh, now this terminology is being used even in English and I love this because yeah. uh, for example in Toronto in the world premiere people would leave the uh, the screening googling Nakba not the catastrophe uh, yeah. and I think it's uh, it's great and I, I insist always on using this because they have to learn our language as well um i think it's just um chair and um, i don't know yeah why they call it the nakba best it's i think it's good that people are using the word nakba in arabic 
um, 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 and it's still also like the ethnic cleansing of Ilan Pape is a great book for yeah. this teenager like <laughs> from Colombia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, but it explains a lot, especially coming from uh, someone who knows them very well, like Ilan Pape. Yeah. Do you um? Did you ever debate whether you should uh, change the name? Farha. No, no, no. From like Radia to Farha. Uh, I didn't. Uh, no, I. It was a quick decision, I think. Yeah. Because, why? Because Radia. Um. Because I, if I stick to Radia, I will feel. Um. Like it will be ethically difficult for me to change details, knowing myself. Like, but mm-hmm. I wanted to feel free because because we heard many, many things, many stories about Nakba, and I wanted to choose all these moments and patch them together and and create something uh, because it's a narrative film, not a documentary. So I wanted this freedom and space. Um, so I, it wasn't difficult for me to change the name, uh, and I chose Farha because it's an old name. Now they don't call Farha. Um, and it's it means joy, of course. It was the joy that yeah. was stolen from the Palestinians. Um, but and now, by the way, recently I I, heard, I, I received a few messages from uh, refugee camps around the world that are calling the newborn babies Farha uh, because it uh, became like a, a symbol of resistance somehow, or it gave them hope. In some ways, you know, it's like a it's a very small story, and there was a it, in fact like. It's it's in in so much of the film, it's one room, right? Like it's as small as you can yeah. make the story, right? It's one person in one room for a lot of the film, um, and it and but what it's talking about is a huge idea, right? Yeah. Um, and so much of your choices as a director are to leave things off camera, right? You just hear the sounds of of massacres and machine guns. But you don't you don't see that stuff. Um, can you tell me a little bit about those artistic choices um, and what you're hoping the audience sort of takes away from that? Um, I think Farha looks easy, but it's not. Yeah, for sure, um, definitely not. It's because, like writing a sonnet. It's the hardest thing. Yeah, it's like in Arabic, it's it looks very simple and. Um, Linear, but it's more uh, complex, uh, and I think it's um, um, to me that's the challenge um, because I wanted, I didn't want, as you said, that there there were seven hundred or like around seven hundred fifty thousand uh, Palestinians that were forced into exile back then, and I and I didn't want to talk about all of them because it's not personal. It, I wanted to talk about one of them and to treat her as a human being as. Um, not as a number. So this is why I made it very, very focused. And in every scene, I made sure that Farha is there. If you notice, in, in every scene, Farha is there. There's no mm-hmm. nothing, like, no scenes without her. Because I wanted this to be a close-up on her and her journey. Um, I wanted people to witness the Nakba from her eyes, from the eyes of a 14-year-old Palestinian girl. Um... And from this room, because if you, if you, if you, if you notice, it's the same of now. We're seeing, watching everything, but we're helpless. We can't do anything. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, 
I wanted people to feel what she's feeling and live her experience firsthand uh, and be in her place. So the sounds and everything was, and the darkness, this element of darkness uh, was really important to me um, so people can um, really feel uh, claustrophobic and feel trapped in this place, but also in this situation, in this, like, not war, this uh, attack or this, uh, um, yeah, this invasion or, invasion or what, farha experience uh, that was forced on her. She didn't choose to be part of this, but she was forced to be in this and to let go of her dreams. Um, so basically, yeah, I wanted to make um, an intimate film because, because if you want to make something about like the, the, the massacres and everything that happened, like you can't, there's no, you can like you can never make talk about everything in one film it's really impossible and I wanted to make it a, like a humane intense intimate uh, feminine also somehow story um, where people like some some people said uh, um, like it's like many things happened in the neck but I said yes I can't as I said can't make everything in one film um but to me, the epic thing is not with the extras and the battle scenes, and the, it's about the 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 psychology, the 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 coming of age of Farha, and how she changes from a, a child to a woman in this room, how she's forced to leave her childhood behind in this room, and how like the most blood you see is when she gets her period. I always say this: that's the most epic yeah. thing because feeding doesn't have to be with screaming. You don't have to scream as a filmmaker to make people feel. You know what I mean? Scream uh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. exaggerate. Sometimes sometimes simplicity is more effective and more touching. Have you ever heard of the, the show The Roots? Have you ever heard of that show? No. It's a I'll mini series. It it's a mini series that came out in the late seventies in the States and it's about um a uh it's about slavery essentially um and it was this monumental show um that sort of opened the eyes um of uh, people say that opened the eyes of a lot of white americans to the to the legacy of slavery and to their implicit ownership of that legacy um and it was in the late in the late 1970s um and obviously we're still dealing with some, uh, systemic uh, racism in the States, but it became this long form storytelling device that said like, let me just walk you through in a mass media package, what actually happened. And for me, I feel like we're missing that, like for those 15 year olds in Colombia, mm. this sort of like series, serial, style show that's character driven but goes tries to do that tries to say type let me just tell you what happened you know i think i i think i heard of it now now why yeah. you're, you're talking i think i heard of it and i have to watch it um, but i i i i know what you mean and i think this is happening with farha it's being used as an educational um yeah tool it's uh, it's being screened in, in universities and in schools even around the world yeah. and and i think you're you're right because 
especially that Farha is a 14-year-old girl. So they would feel, and when, when it was screened in some schools, uh, this is also the feedback I got that we felt with her because she's our age. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it's uh, it, it somehow uh, creates awareness and not in a, not in a graphic, uh, like not in a, like in a very simple and intimate um, way. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a, a little bit about sort of the production of it, where it was shot, how you did the casting um, and all that stuff? The production happened in Jordan. Uh, the production company is Tailbox based in Amman. Um, it was shot in Jordan, all, all of it. We had a, a village in Ajloun, and we had um, the Farhad house and Fhez. Uh, we, we tried to choose uh, virgin locations for the film. Um, and the, the geography of Jordan looks like Palestine, so we were lucky. Um, but we had also a duplicate of the room, of the pantry, mm. uh, in a studio. Uh, which was the like an old um, entertainment uh, uh, malahi um, yeah. amusement park, and it was the ghost house. <laughs> it was uh, like empty, of course, but the energy of it. <laughs> so we built a duplicate of the room there. Uh, the production was it was in 30, 30, uh, 30 32 days of shooting. Um, uh, the casting was also a challenge because, um, as you know, we don't have in the in the region um, teenagers who are actors uh, or actors in this age. So it was also a challenge for me to find uh, Farha. Um, yeah. So it took me maybe a year to find uh, Karam and Farida. I found actually Farida before Farha. Uh, but I knew how Farida looks like. So I, I trained her for a while and then I found Karam. And uh, I really loved her face. And uh, um, because because I know that most of the film will happen in, in a room and like the camera will be with her all the time. I wanted someone who has uh, expressive eyes and uh, a face, a beautiful face that people would like to stay with and feel with. Um, so... And then I trained both of them together for five months. Um, and then we went into shooting. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Okay. I want to ask you a little bit about some of your the inspiration um, for the film. And maybe I'll ask you to put together two lists, right? One is some of the uh, films that you were inspired by um, in the making of Farha. And the second one is... Um, a list of films that people should check out if they're interested in um, interested in Palestine and interested in Palestinian history and culture. So let's do the first okay. list first. Okay. So, so you're gonna ask yeah. me? Or I yeah, have sure. To... Yeah, yeah, no, I'll tell you right now. Okay. So <laughs> what films? What films inspired this film? Um, to be honest, none. Uh, really. Really, because when I was when I used to, it was it was a problem because when I used to pitch the film, they would uh, like they would ask for a reference, right? Yeah. And I would say that like really, there's no like I'm not someone who watches many movies by the way, 
some filmmakers know many movies and film directors. I'm really bad in this uh, with names and with the, <laughs> it's not my thing because I feel I I like to to like I like I like I like to to have my work to be raw and not touched or influenced by something else. And with Farha, I didn't feel there is a film that would that looks like Farha. So whenever they asked me, we need references, like for fun, I would draw something or paint something, but I wouldn't find something. But one of the things that um, the opening scene, for example, was inspired by a painting of Ismail Shammut. Yeah. A painter, a Palestinian painter. So um, with the, the woman with the oranges, but it was a uh, thing. So, yeah. so films, there were no things that inspired, like influenced Farha, to be honest. Interesting. Okay. Um, it's funny because the, the scene, I mean, the the moment where she's in the the pantry, um, looking through the uh, looking through the cracks, and seeing the the soldiers, I thought you were doing this like very 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 smart reimagining and sort of like reinterpretation of that classic scene in Inglorious Bastards, the Tarantino film. No, although I love, I, I, I love the film, but I I never thought of it, to be honest. Because I thought it was like, when it was happening, I was like, oh, this is so smart because it's, um, that scene does an amazing, when they're underneath the floorboards, right? Yes, It does yes. an amazing scene, uh, amazing job of explaining and showcasing the terror of having an occupying terrorist army, fascist mm. army, going around going around rounding up innocent people and killing them right um and this family hiding in the in the floorboards and obviously that's a very that was a very common story um yeah. both in in germany and eastern europe and in palestine at the same time and i thought you did it brilliantly like this is a universal yeah. crime and these are the same people. These are the same innocent wow. lives being taken by the same types of vicious hatred, you know? Um, so I thought, I, I was love, like, oh. I love this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, let's do the second list. What films do you think people should check out if they're interested in Palestinian history and culture? Um, there are many movies now, especially on Netflix, but there is um, uh, Bab Shams, uh, nice. For Yusri Nasrallah. Uh, one of my favorite films is Arsen Jalil. Uh, I really like it. It's uh, also talks about 1948. Um, but there are modern movies that I watched and I didn't watch. Uh, but there is also, of course, uh, uh, movies of uh, uh, Anne Marie Jasser, Shirin uh, Dabas, uh, and many other directors. And I think they're on Netflix. Yeah. I think some of them are on Netflix, but my favorite, uh, my favorite, uh, I like um, Arsel Janine is my favorite actually. Amazing, amazing. Um, okay, before we wrap up, what are you working on now? I am writing a new film, okay. and it's in development. Um, it's it's also a period piece. This is a. <laughs> Because I'm not sharing a lot about the film, but it's it's uh, um, 
it's not about Palestine. <laughs> uh, but I think I, I can share more later on because now I'm still developing the story and I'm not sharing much. But it's a feature film. And I had uh, um, a limited series in uh, development as well. But uh, I don't think it's going to be shot anytime soon. Yeah. It's still also in development. You know, actually, I have one, one more question. What is your dream? If I were to ask you your dream um, in terms of support for Palestinian stories or stories about Palestine, um, from the industry. Yeah. Like what are, where are the problems? Why aren't more of these stories being told? Why aren't they finding audiences? Why aren't better versions of these stories being developed and, um, uh, finding screens and fighting what you just said, right? Fighting, fighting the, that quote that Golda Meir said, right? Fighting the idea that yeah. the old will die and the young will forget. I think I think there are movies that are happening um, and um, like the Palestinian cinema is developing. But the thing is, people were not ready, I think, before, because it's not only opening your eyes, it's also opening your heart to the truth. Uh, and I think what happened with Farha is um, because of the, the attack from the Israeli government, the whole world started feeling curious and wanting to watch this film and this benefited the film and also many people con really literally told me we used to support um israel and now we support palestine uh because they it's it's simply they didn't know about 1948 so i think we should talk more about um our history about 1948 um in different ways uh, but also it's important how we make these films. It's important how, no. because it's not only about making a film. It's like what do you what mean by it's important how? In what ways? We have, it's very, like making a film about Palestine is a huge responsibility. And yeah. we were like, I'm saying this because, uh, because of like, I'm, 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 this is like making an advice to filmmakers who want to make yeah. films about Palestine in the future. Just be careful because they will try to change things. Like they tried to convince me to remove the killing scene in different film festivals. And I know that they're sent to tell me this and convince me that I'm going to get a fund if I remove this and this. So you have to be careful. Don't like never compromise when it comes to Palestine. Never compromise. Don't say, okay, I'll change this small thing because of, because this small thing might make a huge, like never compromise. Uh, just tell the truth. Um, that's what I would say. And don't treat people as numbers. And I think, like, as I said now, uh, there are two movies that will be made also about Palestine from uh, established uh, filmmakers also. Uh, they, unfortunately, they were stopped. And Marie Jasser and uh, Shirin Abbas, uh, they stopped the, the shooting because of what's happening in Palestine. But I mean, I'm sure they will do a great job. Um, um, and I think the young filmmakers need to um, just be careful how you talk about Palestine. Yeah. Also, I wonder about the funding. I mean, right now we're seeing what so many European governments, how they actually feel. 
about Palestinians. We're seeing them not in only in their uh, words, but we're seeing it in their actions, right? And yep. so much funding for films comes from European governmental institutions. Um, right. And I wonder if we can, as a um, arts and culture, I won't even say industry, arts and culture world in the Arab world, right? if we can begin to rethink how we're funding these things and what uh, that funding, yeah. how that funding changes the types of stories we want to tell and how we want to tell them. Because every single film at the end, the logos show up and you're like, oh, this, this, this is a European funded film. Every single one of them. You're right. You know? And this is why we like, uh, as I said, because the film was about Mecca, we faced a lot of, we couldn't get any funds from, um, like the the Danone funds from Europe, so we yeah. um, we collaborated with a co-producers from Sweden, who are very yeah. pro-Palestinian and didn't like they said we will not interfere in the script and we will not they they really are um, they 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 respected um, what the story mm. means to me and uh, and they they were very very um, like ethical and uh, so we got this fund from Sweden. Um, but it wasn't like the 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 funds It's not like that where everybody goes to get funding because yeah. we didn't really we, we were rejected from everywhere, but from the Swedish film uh, institute the fund from Sweden. Uh, yeah. So I think I I hope that we will be able to 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 make films without needing even funds. Yeah. To me, it's to me it's it's good that we had the co-producers from Sweden because uh, we did the the coloring there and we did the um, editing there, which is something which is something we lack in in our region in Jordan. We don't really have post-production facilities really um, advanced, so I needed this and I I'm glad we did this with them. And in the future projects, like I, I would be happy to collaborate with them. But in general, why do we al always need? funds from Europe to make our movies. This is something that yeah. also, I think producers from the Arab world should discuss and think of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Darin, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I really encourage people listening to this to go check out the film. Um, it's beautifully made and a really important story. Uh, and I hope, I hope you stay safe and stay strong. Thank you, Mike. You too. Thank you.